When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome to Coach Unplugged. So excited you decided to join us today. Um, before we jump in and um, talk about uh, the topic today, I'll get it out. Um, I'm not, I'm leaving that in. Uh, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shoe machine on the market, bar none. Uh, they are awesome. They rock. Uh, mention Coach Unplugged, they'll give you $350 off. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. We have a, a special, quote unquote, special going on right now where we're giving quarterly memberships. We're super excited about that. People seem excited about it. Um, and then that maybe maybe come in and join for three months and take a couple of months off. I personally would never leave teachhoops.com, but you have that option and uh, it's great. So go over and check it out, teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Let's head off to the podcast. Hey, everybody. Before I start today's podcast, I just want to give you a heads up. Um, Coach Griffin basically kind of went in and out. He was <laughs> he was nice enough to come on the podcast, but was in the car um, he was a busy man and was uh, kind of cutting out a little bit in and out. So I am going to leave it because I think there's so many great golden nuggets. Not This doesn't happen a lot in the podcast, but I just want to give you a heads up that um, there will be a little bit of cutting in and cutting out from, from him. Um, I tried to fill that space um, with, some, uh, with some of my talk, but I just want to give you a heads up. It is not you, um, and uh, you know we're going to be patient with Coach because I know how busy he is. Um, and like I said, there's so many great things inside the podcast. I definitely want to leave, leave the podcast in as it was um, so we can get all those great golden nuggets. So I hope you enjoy this, and have a great day. All right, welcome to Coach Unplugged. Um, coach and I, before we, before we were jumping on, we were, we were reminiscing about coach Ryan and uh, trust me, I've heard all those coach. Co- uh, I have a couple of players that have played for, for coach Ryan and, and Keaton's probably the most notorious, uh, most notorious, most uh, recognized, but I've heard all those, uh, the Philadelphia stories from coach Ryan always kind of circle back. If you, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's such a renowned human being in the basketball world, but specifically to the area that we are in um for a number of different reasons but I mean, he's a blue collar guy and i know he brought that to wisconsin I and that's always how i think he always went to the jersey shores for his vacations too i've heard jersey shore stories too. yeah jersey shore is a popular area and during his you know wonder years so to say he was probably mixing it up quite I'm a bit sure, I'm, jersey sure, shore. I'm sure he was i'm sure he was uh anyway so coach griffin i'm gonna have you kind of introduce yourself and then kind of walk us through your kind of basketball journey. And I'll, I'll just jump in. I've got lots of questions for you, um, okay. but uh, I'm going to turn it over yeah. to you and kind of introduce yourself to the, to the audience and um, kind of tell us about your basketball journey. Okay, great. Now, I appreciate you having me on here. I, uh, I'm a coach's son. I was kind of born into the world of college basketball. My father was a head coach at Siena College 
1980, 1980 to 85. Um, I have a younger brother. My younger brother actually currently is an assistant coach at Albany University. Okay. Uh, he was the head. He was the head coach in high school at Roman Catholic for five years. And Sienna, had, what was Sienna in when your dad was? What what conference were they in? Are they still ooh, in the same conference? I feel like Sienna was in the ECAC. Um, I think it was too. That's that's what I feel like the league they were in at the time. And he's got and a, they, a number. What are they in now? They're in the the MAC conference. They're the, in the MAC. Okay, I was going to say yeah. Patriot, but that's not right. Uh, MAC. Okay. No, okay. they're in the MAC. Um, so. Born into the business, moved to Philadelphia at a young age. My father went from being the head coach to Siena. He is kind of a unique story in coaching, which has actually played a part in my kind of at least philosophical approach to the business. Uh, he got out of the business, worked on Wall Street for a couple of years, and then returned to his alma mater at St. Joe's University, which is where I work. From 1990 to 95, he was the head coach in Philadelphia, and that's where um, – I basically grew up. Majority of my life was spent in Philadelphia, Philadelphia native. And um, that's where I kind of began my basketball journey. So high school, I played for a guy named William Speedy Mars. Speedy Mars is uh, another well-known Bo Ryan-like basketball coach that uh, is widely recognized for a number of different successes, but uh, had an unbelievable experience playing for him he actually and this is a, the just craziness of basketball how everything is just so intimate and small in the world of hoops he coached my father at roman catholic and then he coached me in high school and then he coached my younger brother in high um had a really great experience for him which is um which was a great feat another well-known basketball coach pat flannery who was uh, again similar to bill ryan they both kind of cut their teeth in division three and made their mark and then had great success going forward but at Bucknell I walked into a really unique situation for the Patriot League we had talent combined with height size athleticism and we figured out a couple things in the first year my freshman year to the point where we won the Patriot League championship and beat Kansas and 14 versus three seed and it kind of just started this four-year unbelievable path to Bucknell the next year we we lost to Wisconsin unfortunately that year versus uh versus Kansas but the next year we we finished top 25 in the country which is a unique feat for a Patriot League school we were nine seeding there's NCAA not many tournament. maybe Col maybe Colgate huh I'm trying to think yeah about maybe words. with a Donald Foyle what might have been the best years outside of that um, yeah and David David Robin Navy's in the Patriot League now um Right. Oh, did you say Col you said Colgate or Navy? Well, I, I said Colgate, right? Didn't Colgate yeah, have a, Colgate. a, a, they a did. little run they there? Did. Yeah. They had a little run. Um after, yeah, and actually after us, it was CJ McCollum at Lehigh and actually at Bucknell. We have a kid, we had a, a guy named Mike Mescala who's still playing in the NBA. But but we were nine seed. We beat Arkansas. We ended up playing Memphis the following year. Memphis was a one seed and they were a juggernaut could could not defend the dribble drive of John Calipari's Memphis offense, right. um, but had a, a really unbelievable basketball experience at a just highly academic institution, which was just a great combination for me and set me on this path towards playing basketball for as long as I could. Ended up playing professionally for three seasons. I tore my ACL after the first and tried to figure it out. 
instead of getting into the working world. But uh, ultimately ended up my first coaching job with the Indiana Pacers. So before you jump into your coaching job, where where did yeah. you play professionally? So I, my first year, I played in Germany. Okay. played in a small town in Baden-Württemberg and okay. then tore my ACL and then returned nine months later to Bratislava, Slovakia. And then actually I went through the video coordinator uh, year with the Indiana Pacers and the NBA went into a lockout. And actually it's a, it's a question that a lot of people ask me about my career timeline. Why wouldn't you have stayed in the NBA? Well, when there's a lockout and I learned this kind of the hard way, usually the support staff, at least at the time, kind of got cut loose until the season restarted. Right. And so I was still fairly young. I was in shape, fit, and still had this goal of mine to keep playing and try to make it a career as a professional basketball player. And so then I went to England and Seven months later, I actually finished my career in Italy. And at that point, I was I just exhausted the idea of playing mentally. So that's right. when I moved forward towards the next yeah, it, step. Of- I, I tell people it's like you always kind of know when it's time to hang up. Most people know, at least. But I, you kind of know when it's time to hang up those those sneakers. Those it's challenging. Shoes. It's challenging. It I, I have this conversation with as many European professional basketball players that I possibly can have with that will listen to me because it's an identity shift. And even in the world of basketball, nobody fully understands what it means to be a professional basketball player in Europe. Um, And that's a hard (laughs) pill to swallow as a player because it's who you've been and who you are and you're proud of that, but it doesn't really mean much or as much as you might think in the working world. So I try to give that at least lens and experience and perspective to as many professionals that are still playing as possible, because at some point you have to get yourself mentally prepared to, to shift gears. and And I can see it from some of my guys like Vander, Vander had a, had a taste of the Lakers and, you know, a couple contracts and he's been chasing it for 10 years. It's like, it's so hard. It's, it is because it is who you are. Like in some respects, it's like, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. You spent so much time trying to reach this goal that you put <laughs> on a pedestal, but it's also a lifestyle. I mean, yep. you have people rebounding for you essentially. Even, I mean, in these days, now you have multiple rebounders for you. Right. Um, and then there's a life shift where you become the rebounder. Right. Right. And not everyone's not everyone's ready for that. Right. And I think it's even hard. You know, I, I think it's even hard unless you're Charles Barkley, you mm-hmm. know, all these guys, you got to come up, you, you know, magic obviously made a really good pivot, but well, there's a lot of, it, it's, it's hard. And the thing is, it's like, you have all this money, but then you better find something to do with it. Like it's yeah, hard yeah. even for the it NBA is. guys. I can see it, it is. you know? Yeah. yeah. You need some guidance. It, it's always helpful if somebody's giving you advice while, if you're able to listen at the time when you get it, but if you get advice and, you find some way to be productive that's non-basketball related, it won't be that large of an identity shift, but that's challenging 
within the moment like anything. it is it is and it's it, it either the good ones are so laser focused that it's hard to see outside that that tunnel i i yeah from the players that i've coached that have played professionally that shift is hard um once they find it it's not too bad but it's hard that that shift is hard all right so go let's go through your so so okay your playing career we're done then what happened so uh I spent a year with the Indiana Pacers as a video coordinator intern. And, um, and it's the perfect segue because this was a complete identity change for me. I went from somebody that thought that they should have been playing in the NBA, which I shouldn't have, but that was my mentality at the time to the lowest person on the totem pole in essentially the organization on the coaching staff side. And it was humbling from day one humbling and I had responsibilities that I thought maybe at one point in time were beneath me and they weren't. And it was an unbelievable looking back. It was arguably the, the best experience, something that I rely on pretty regularly actually for me individually. But that was my first taste of coaching in general. Uh, just happened to be on the professional level and, um, and so from there, I get this master's degree, I guess you could, could call it, in coaching. And I made it through the year. And like I said, the NBA goes into a lockout. And then I get very lucky that uh, there's a university within 40 miles of Philadelphia, Ryder University, which is in the MAC conference. They just had a coaching change. And anybody that's listening to this call, they know that the hiring – element of college basketball coaching actually quite frankly coaching in general in this day and age high school college and professional is so competitive and your network is so critical to at least getting a conversation um surrounding the idea of being hired i was very fortunate i had one it's crazy like i before we came on the air i was telling you about my son who's going to a a little ivy in the nasdaq yep and when he was looking at schools like Vassar just hired a former D1 coach, um, Connecticut College. All these, all these D3s are hiring all these <laughs> former uh, – and it's not like they got fired from the D1. It's like, all right, I'm moving down from an assistant to, you know, a head at a D3. Now, these are good academic schools, and they're great schools, but, yeah, you, you know, they that are great was not schools. happening 30 years ago. Like, no, that just no. Doesn't, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually – yeah, and it's, it's multiplied exponentially in that regard because finding opportunities to be a head coach are just as competitive as it's ever been. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So so I I got, I was very fortunate. I was hired at Ryder as a director of basketball operations, which is another experience I rely on uh, because the director of basketball operations learns the ins and outs of a basketball program. You get to, whether it's your first opportunity, first time doing it or you've been doing it for a number of years you have you know the heartbeat of of your program the ins and outs how it runs you're basically figuring out how to keep the train moving right do you think Um, that is like on a food chain is that above video coordinate it's above video isn't it basketball operations yeah i mean it depends it really (laughs) depends on how your head coach views his staff philosophically what he does on a day-to-day basis. Yes. I think they're both equally important. Right. Uh, right. 
depending on how much film the head coach tends to watch on a day-to-day basis, the video coordinator position could be incredibly important to the program and to the head coach. But at the same time, the logistics of the program, if the head coach feels that there are elements that are really important when it comes to day-to-day logistics that are more maybe important than the video stuff, then the director of operations is, it's, it's, it all depends. It all depends. It's, but they're, it, both but they're, but they're limited by the NCAA too, right? They're limited they, on some of the stuff they can do. They are on when, when it comes to on court teaching, they're limited. Now that I think will change. And I think the COVID situation has really put the idea of, of opening the door to these positions having the ability to get on the floor it actually makes sense um because majority of those positions are starting points for aspiring coaches and it's if we're all here to help the players and kids get better i think it does make sense i do too i do too in so many ways i agree i agree so what happened after that after that job so so i was there i was at Ryder for three years i was which again, if, if you ask the world, I was very from the position to an assistant coach that it doesn't happen as often as one may think. And so that really was a big boost for me. Uh, I spent two more years. And it's probably because he's in his car. Hired at my alma mater. They had a coaching change as well. Um, and first child, so Lewisburg compared to, and um, now I'm sorry. I did. Steve, Steve, can you hear me? Yeah, hold on. It's Steve. okay. It's no, no, sorry pro- about that. No, 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 no. You're probably going in and out. Trust me, it's it's fine. It's <laughs> I've done like thirteen hundred of these. It's very common when people I, are driving. I, I saw. I, you're kind of you're kind of doing this like in and out thing a little bit. We just uh, went over a bridge. Yeah. Yeah. So you, yeah. you probably got to just get went into- over a bridge. You probably if if anybody knows anything about cellular service, uh, cellular service tends to be they tend to put the towers in the tallest spots, um, but they but the 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 waves got to basically bounce off. So um, definitely, when I've done podcasts in the past and people have uh, people have been in their cars, it is definitely an in and out. So I'm I'm going to summarize what Coach was basically saying is he was um, he got he got promoted, which doesn't happen very often. Um, yep. yeah, it, it, it's, it's just one of those things that doesn't happen on a regular basis. I'm guessing from, from a, from a basketball operation standpoint. Well, it, it's, it's, it all depends. It all depends on, on the environment. So I'm just a, a person that's very observant and I'm very appreciative of that opportunity. So, um, but it, it, it allowed me to then progress in my career. So Bucknell has a coaching change. Uh, it's a very close place to my heart and my experience. And Nathan Davis, who's the head coach now, uh, asked if, if I'd be interested. And long story short, yes, we get there. Spent four great years at Bucknell. We won the Patriot League regular season four straight years and won the Patriot League championship too. And it, for me – going back to my alma mater, there's a lot of people there that when you're a college student, you, you're not sure if you're going to get the opportunity to go back and 
really express the gratitude for how they treated you when you were 18 to 20 years old. And here I, I was able to do it on a day-to-day basis as well as help build the program and help the program be successful. And it wasn't that hard because Dave Paulson left us some really good basketball players. And right. that's always a positive. Um, so then, so then, then we ended up at, at, uh, ended up at at St. Joe's. Joe's. Okay. And how did that happen? Well, St. Joe's, uh, they also made a coaching change and, um, being from Philadelphia, I had had three children, three boys. My, my entire family is in Philadelphia. So the opportunity to get home was a big Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that. If you want to support us, you want to help us get the lights on here at teachups.com, go over, join, 14-day free trial, and then stop the car, subscribe, like, Apple five-star review. That would be good. All right, maybe. Have a good day. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.